Shomrabyug. Ah, uh, hello there now. Welcome back to On Shomrabyug. I am the Michael of the podcast, Michael and Benjamin's podcast. And I am joined here in the digital tiny room this week, as always, by the man who only really has this job because we found out that a fully functioning animatronic Muppet would be too expensive. It's Benjamin. Look, uh, Jim Henson's been dead for some time and I am the cheaper option in most cases, Michael, not just for podcasting co-host duties. Yes, Benjamin, for example, when you have a large animatronic Muppet, you often have four or five people bloody operating it, including one person who has to go all the way up the butt. And in the case of you, the only thing up your butt is your own ass. (laughs) 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 That was probably Uh, unnecessarily confrontational. That's not usually the tone of this podcast. Well, it actually is, Michael. Since the the whole uh, pandemonium started, you've become sour and bitter and it's been very tough. (laughs) It's been very tough. I've written a ballad about how much it hurts me. Would you like to hear it? Ah, yes, please. (gasps) The music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. Very good, very music. It was just the theme music once again. Once again, fooled. (laughs) Benjamin. Yes. Um, uh, uh, And news? <laughs> I love it. Um no, there's nothing nothing's happened. I'm only joking, Michael. We got a bizarre trailer, um, Michael, and this could only be described as the trailer that nobody asked for. Right. And perhaps the adaptation that nobody asked for. Do go on. About oh, I'd say about ten years ago now, Michael. Uh, uh, one Mark Millar. I've heard of him. You you probably have, Michael. A wee uh, lad from Scotland, as they a say. A wee lad from Scotland uh, released a comic book called Jupiter's Legacy, Michael. Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending, Michael, yes, with Mila Kunis as the yes. main comic book character. Uh, and what happened? And young Edward Redmayne. A, a, a young Edmington Redmainery. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> as, he, as he was originally known. He shortened it for, for stage and screen, Michael, mm. as is common practice in the industry. Yes. So, uh, Jupiter's Legacy, Michael, is what would happen, right? What would happen if Indiana Jones had a pack of pals, right? Mm -hmm. And you went onto an island and you wanted to get yourself a totem, but it wasn't a totem, Michael. And there were lots of booby traps and stuff, but it was actually powers, Michael. You unlocked magical powers. Okay, that sounds interesting. That sounds like something I'd be interested in seeing. Yeah, it probably would be interesting to see, Michael, but then you do a time jump about, you know, 40 years into the future and you deal with the the fallout of those powers having been in effect for around 40 years and how the children of those superheroes are elite snobby little pricks. Standard Mark Miller fair. <laughs> Standard Mark Miller fair. It's very like the magic order, Michael, um, right. in the same way. It deals with that idea of, you know, responsibility of uh, the the parents to their, their superpower children or the difficulties of growing up a superpower child in the shadow of your, your epic father. Um, and there's a coup, Michael. There's a power coup, as one would expect. Um, someone betrays from within, as is classic Mark Miller. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's kind of about the, the clandestine secrets that take uh, that take part behind closed doors. Not unlike Mark Miller's powers. Or Mark or- Miller's The Boys. Or the Mark Miller's The Boys. It's not Mark, Mark Miller. Or Mark Miller's... Uh, <laughs> We've gotten both of those wrong. Mark Miller's Invincible. <laughs> Power. <laughs> or Mark Miller's... Um, Powers was written by Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Invincible or Mark was Mill- written... <laughs> Mark Miller's... Uh, Preacher. Preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. We've all hit the same thing there. Basically, any comic book we don't really like, Ben, we're now attributing to Mark Miller. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, they've adapted that into uh, 
<laughs> a Netflix movie. Is the, this part of Mark Miller's new line, Ben? I, no, I take you were saying 10 years ago. He Yeah, no, the comic was introduced a long time ago, Michael, and it's part of the Miller World kind of series, which is, you know, Mark Miller's little universe that he builds for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's been adapted now, and it's very strange. It looks very strange, Michael. It looks very cheap, oh. um, which is what fascinated me. It It's kind of... The the flashback scenes that we see in the trailer, at least, are done through a weird sepia tone. And it looks like somebody got their hands on a Premiere Pro thing and went to a Comic-Con and filmed interviews with people and then, you know, went back and edited it together. And it just, it doesn't look that good, you know, a little bit, you know, as if people kind of took it upon themselves to do a project they'd never done and kind of <laughs> went into it a bit ham-fisted. Is this, uh, is this a bit of self-deprecation there, Benjamin? Is that what's yeah, happening? Yeah, it was, yeah. Just check out our YouTube channel, though, where you can see those things and let us know what you think of them. They um, own some of them now, Ben. They are, because of the goddamn pandemic, Michael. We're supposed yeah, to have yeah. a few more up there. but uh, We haven't had any new content a year and a half, Ben. <laughs> it's very hard to interview people when you're not allowed to. Yeah, yeah um, you can't even look at them, Ben. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, Michael... And that's the restraining order, Benjamin. That's nothing to do with the pandemic. Yeah, that's to do with the fact that we're not allowed near Dublin Comic Con. Um, so anyway, Michael, it's it's been cast, and we're we're going to see that, and it it seems very melodramatic and over the top, and it's just a very interesting choice, um, Michael. I don't I don't know why I it's can't been say made. I have much interest, Ben. What is, what's it got to do with Jupiter? Is Jupiter the name of one of the superheroes? Jupiter is the name of the main superhero, as in uh, Father to the Gods. Yeah, Jupiter. Sky Daddy. Sky Daddy, Big Sky Daddy, Cloud Gatherer. Yeah, yeah. Big Mac well, Daddy. Well, I, I don't have much interest in that, I have to say. No, I, I wouldn't blame you, Michael. I don't have much interest in it either. I just thought it was an interesting choice from Netflix that they think that's going to be their next big hit. Speaking, Ben, of things that you didn't have much interest in, so yes. much so that you didn't see it, Ben, have you seen the new film, The Godzilla vs. The Kong? I think you know I haven't, Michael, because you just gave me that stunning intro. <laughs> yes, I've seen it, Ben. Shall we just go straight into spoilers? Because we're actually, Ben, unusually for this podcast, Michael and Benjamin's podcast from the Shomer Bjug production, production, Shomer Bjug. Um, smooth. Unusually, yeah, very smooth. <laughs> we're a bit behind the times, Ben, and this came out last week and we didn't see it. But now we're doing a review of it and no one will probably care because anyone who wants to see it has seen it. And anyone who doesn't want to see it will say the what? Relevant. Yes, That's so let's, let's stay relevant by going straight into spoilers. Anyway, Ben, they have a big fight, and then they have another big <laughs> fight, and then they make friends, and they team up against someone who's worse. Mechagodzilla! Yeah, Mechagodzilla's in it, Ben, and he looks terrible. As you know, Ben, I have a Mechagodzilla on my um, my work desk. You do. And he's a, he's an old-style Toho Mechagodzilla, and he's cool-looking. But this new one, he's all gangly and horrible. and No, oh. no use. You don't want him. You don't want him on your desk. Oh, but, no. Benjamin... There are no surprises in this whatsoever. Okay. Go they on. have a fight. They have another fight. They win one each. Then they have a fight. Then a worse thing shows up and they kind of look at each other and give each other the nod and they team up to beat up the worst thing. Oh, the classic, the classic uh, kaiju nod. Exactly, with a, Ben. With a little wink. Exactly. The thing is, though, it's very, the whole thing. I was watching the whole thing I watched with my good lady friend, Ben. And I was watching the whole thing going, you know what, though, Ben? This is like, this is like, do you remember the film Transformers? Yeah. Do you remember the, fil- the film Transformers by Michael Bay? Mi- or Mr. Mi- Michal Bay. Yeah, Mike Tholomew Baymanston as his, yes. his full name. Yes. So yeah. do you remember that film, Ben? And do you remember how the first Transformers film, The Transformers in 2007, wasn't appalling? 
it, it, look, it didn't make me super sad, Michael. As a young teenage man, I was like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. There's stuff going on. I understand most of the characters' motivations. There's, oh, look, familiar characters that I like having a fight. And yeah. I, oh, do you remember how in Transformers, Ben, there was the Transformers and you were the whole time you were going, this, I want to see more of the Transformers, but there were plenty of extraneous plot points that never went anywhere. Throw your mind back, Ben, to the first Transformers film. Okay, it's there. Do you remember the character played by Australia's own Rachel Taylor? No. Rachel Taylor played the young government hacker lady who teamed up with a guy who was able to decipher the Transformers code. Did she? Yes, exactly, Ben. Exactly. And they had donuts and they got arrested and, you know, they helped out. Oh, yeah, it was was the guy from Blackish. Anthony... That rings a bell, yes. I I know who you're talking about. Anthony Mackie. It's not Anthony. <laughs> the actor Anthony Mackie, is that who you mean? Yeah, and then he has big metal wings and he goes and he fights yeah, the yeah. Transformers. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, do you remember that about the first Transformers film, Ben? That there were lots of little subplots going on and they didn't really go anywhere. It was a bit pointless. You could probably cut them out. I don't remember and... them at all. <laughs> exactly, Ben. And they were all stock characters doing stock character things. And um, Imagine 2007's The Transformers, Ben. Okay. Updated, updated with... Our more modern political, and I'm not using this as a negative term, but more modern political correctness, a bit less Michael Bay's focusing on women's butts. Okay. And, you know, a bit less people jiggling. Not none. But, not none, not then. A, not a ton. But not anywhere near as much. Like That's that's they, going on a t-shirt. Not none, exactly. not a ton. It has Millie Bobby Brown in it, Ben. And Millie Bobby Brown is returning from the previous Godzillas. Why? And she's Exactly. She goes on an adventure, which is almost entirely irrelevant to the to the story, with uh, with Ricky... What's his name? The guy... The, the, the kid, the, the New Zealand guy from Deadpool 2. And oh, yeah. Yeah, Ricky, Hunt Ricky. for the Wilder People. Yeah, him. What's Ricky. his name? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I'll look it up now. Name. I'll look it He's up now. He's in it anyway. He plays the stock nerdy best friend who, uh, you know, knows classic. how to do a computer. Yeah. And it's Transformers 2007 brought up to the modern day. Oh. But with Godzilla and Kong. Well, that's slightly better for me, Michael. Probably not for you. You probably would have liked to have seen a Godzilla versus Kong versus Transformer. Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? But the Transformers would be so small, Ben. Because the they'd make one big was... mecha mecha Transformer. Oh, they did that. They did Devastator. Remember that was no good. Nobody oh, did liked they? that. Yeah, was that, that was thing? awful. That was oh. in Transformers: Revenge of the Falling. It was no use. Benjamin. Go so on. what I'm saying is, Godzilla versus Kong is getting quite good reviews. Oh. In a sense of, it's a good, it's a spectacle, it's Godzilla and it's a Kong and they're doing a fight and the characters aren't too annoying and, you know, it's all right. And it's pretty good. Ex- and that's exactly what Transformers was in 2007. And I think it's being held to a lower standard because <laughs> of the world we now live in, basically, <laughs> where there are no films and this one has come out and it's passable, so it'll do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I challenge you to watch yeah. this and not be hard, not be reminded of 2007's Transformers and 2007's Transformers Ben the best Transformers yes that's what I'm saying best Transformers of yeah. the lot of them all yeah well Bumblebee might be better I, I don't know any of the the subplots you're talking about I have a vague memory now you've 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 tickled the back of my brain Michael and I'm yeah. going oh yeah there was an Australian 
subplot. Yeah. So Millie Bobby Brown is in it with the guy from One for the Wilder People yeah. and the conspiracy theorist. And they have their own adventure and they don't really meet up with Godzilla or Kong. They just yeah. have their own conspiracy to unravel at the same time. And then there's other characters. There's Isa Gonzalez in it, Ben. You might remember her from Bloodshot. Oh, yeah. And she plays the unnecessarily glamorous evil woman. Oh, I love it unnecessarily. What's what's the deal with the evil people this time? What's, they want they want to get power from the center of the earth, Ben, to power Mecha Godzilla so that they can fight Godzilla. Why do they want to fight Godzilla, Michael? In case he turns bad. Oh, good. And then it goes wrong, obviously. No, he turns bad because he realizes they're trying to build a weapon to fight him, so he tries to blow it up. Oh, self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Mm. Mm, it's a classic. Yes. So that's all I have to say about that, Ben. Let's move it's, on. It's pretty good. There's a lot. There's a lot to go through there, Michael. Yeah, it's like Transformers 2007, but with monkeys. Okay, I like it. I like it's it. Fine. Alexander Skarsgård's in it. Do you know who's not in it? Oh, Tom Hiddleston. And I missed him from Kong Island. I enjoyed well, Tom Hiddleston in Kong well, Island. Well, he would have been too old, Ben. That was called Skull Island. Yes, yeah, Skull Island. That's what I said, Michael. I don't know why you didn't hear me correctly the first time. <laughs> Kong um, Island. <laughs> that's exactly Kong Island. That's um, in do you know what Tom Hiddleston is in, though? Oh, I see what you've done. Yeah, I was trying, but you just <laughs> just decided that wasn't going to happen. Oh, I see what you've done. Yeah, I see what you've done. Uh, Loki, he's in the fil- he's in the television series Loki. He's in the television series Loki, which we got a new trailer for last bloody Monday, right after Michael we did a bloody podcast. <laughs> no good. It's no we're good. Always to, we're always trying to upstage us, Ben. Bring your stuff out on a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening. That would suit us. <laughs> that would be better for us. All right, get on it, Kevin. We've had this chat before. Benjamin, I've watched the trailer, and has given me a newfound sense of excitement about Loki. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to Loki. I feel it can be the the successor to Scarlet Witch that I only dream of. I'm very excited, Michael. It will fill the TV void in my soul. I have been having a little think about this, Ben. Go on. And one of my main concerns about Loki is that it seems to be implying that there are levels of multiverse much, much deeper than the world we know. Yes. But they're still just manned by ordinary human people. On occasion, yes. Where are those people coming from? Where are they getting all these staff? That's always the fascinating thing is the bureaucracy of interdimensional agencies, isn't it? Like, that's a, a really interesting thought. It's like, did Sharon, like get an indeed invite or yeah. is somebody on linkedin recruiting for temporal agencies are there people in this extra dimensional plane of existence you know living in the suburbs having kids where are they coming from the time traveler regulatory board checked out your profile this week <laughs> Ooh, oh, no not again <laughs> oh you don't want to get sucked off this plane of existence hopefully not then you have to wear weird jumpsuits with the word variant stamped across them i wonder mm. are they all fallouts uh, Michael, are they all kind of dropouts from their own realities and they just kind of find purpose in these regulatory agencies? Are they all being punished? Are they all in a Loki situation? Is Owen Wilson serving out his own Potentially. sentence? Potentially. I do like the concept, though, of that this agency exists and it's their job to stop people going across timelines and mucking it all up. Because... It closes off the plot point of Black Widow dying and then them saying, let's just go to another dimension and get Black Widow from that dimension. And yes, because you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, because that would make her a variant. And variants are no good. Owen Wilson would come to get her then. Probably with Loki in tow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, um, very exciting. 
there's a lot of interesting things going on, Michael. So apparently, there's a, there's a few theories out there that there are going to be multiple Lokis in this, and oh. we're going to see lots of variants. So it's not the same Loki every time um, that we see in that trailer. He has to stop his own other variants as he goes along, um, and that's quite an interesting thought. Um, I, one of the things it's interesting that you pointed out, Michael, that it's it's a much deeper level. I always think that when we start to introduce, you know, um, heavenly regulatory bodies, yeah, um, that that always invalidates kind of the main universe that you're in. I always feel when you overexpand the multiverse, it's like, well, nothing matters then, does it? Yeah, um, exactly. And that's always an interesting thing, and I'd like to see how that pans out because it's not the Loki that everybody's grown to love. This is yeah, it's a variant. A it's not yeah, yeah. our Loki. It's um, the worst one. And it's quite interesting that we are going to see that character. Now, obviously, it's still Tom Hiddleston. It's still charming. It's still all of these things. But all of that that growth as a character and kind of thing, is he's just, he's just an old chancer again, Michael. Do half, Ben, when, when Thanos did the snap, did half of those time boys disappear as well or were they all fine? See, I don't know. Are they outside the influence of... Mm. Re- well, I mean, obviously they are because in each multiverse there's a different set of Infinity Stones. So clearly if there's a body that can move between universes, they're possibly outside of the influence of those stones. Yeah. Surely they can move through... Ver- Surely not every parallel timeline suffered from the snap because each parallel timeline or universe or whatever had their own set of stones that regulates their universe. Yes, but w- w- what's not clear to us is if parallel timelines always exist or only created by time travel. Well, that's what I mean, Michael. How are we supposed to know? How are we supposed to know? Tell us, Marvel! <laughs> Tell us now, not in several weeks. But it it looks like a buddy cop movie, and I'm I'm going to enjoy that, Michael. I enjoy the buddy cop format, and I'm I'm into it. Is that why Ben, you're enjoying the series The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? <laughs> Probably for the exact opposite reason, actually, that I'm enjoying <laughs> that I'm not enjoying uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Look, we got we got episode four um, yes. this week, Michael, and there's no Tom Hiddleston, and I was disappointed. Very um, little Tom Hiddleston. Very little Tom Hiddleston. Um, we can say now that our our will we do spoilers? We do quick spoilers. Uh, yes. Spoilers. Put a little spoiler break in there, Ben. Lads, there's going to be spoilers. Listen away now. Do 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 do. Spoilers. There you go. Um. So Loki uh, is Captain America's dad. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um. No. Uh. We got uh, the predictable turn of Captain America in this one, Michael. We we predicted it last week. It didn't happen in the way we predicted, but it no. did happen. Um. I I thought the. I thought the the loss of the serum was the biggest damn squib and the the John Walker suddenly getting it was the biggest damn squib I've ever seen. Where it's like, oh, Zemo got most of the vials, but he didn't get that one. Yeah, because he got a belt of a shield in the head then. That looked very sore. <laughs> but then he's fine in the next scene. He just yeah, takes he the rag off his face and there's no broken nose or damage. They did bang him on the side of the head. He didn't seem <laughs> fine though. He's pretty heavily concussed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. He got so, a real belt on the head of that shield. In in this one, John Walker becomes our our central antagonist, I guess, in in a, a strange way. Um, he becomes very ragged in this. the The degeneration of John Walker is very comic booky, Michael. Um, he's gone mad very quickly. He's gone mad awful quick, like one or two setbacks, and he's they gone really, mad. They really shouldn't have made him Captain America, Ben, because as it turns out, he's fucking mad. Yeah, any kind of you know, any kind of light 
um, psychological screening probably would have weeded him out of the process. Oh, this yeah. man has severe PTSD and anger issues. Okay. Yeah, just say, John, I'll tell you what, right? Um, you're not going to be Captain America. And then if he handles that well, you go, John, that was a test you've passed. And if he freaks out and starts killing everyone, you go, ah, I'm glad we did that. <laughs> that's 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 sorted us out for some problems yeah. in the future because you're uh, mad very quickly there you've stopped shaving you've stopped brushing your hair and you've gone mad in like one week yeah what's with the stop shaving thing it's just in the space of a week he's gone mad that's like, what's happened it's ah it's the world's quickest madness um the other thing that i found really um unusual is the deja malori just attacking um that didn't make any sense to me either um, what's their name? <laughs> what are they called? Deja uh, no, Malora, yeah, Deja Malora. That's fine. We'll go with that. Okay, what are they actually? Dora Malage. Dora Malage. Ah, oh, damn it. No, I anyway, like your one. Dora Malage. No, Deja Malora. Uh, Deja Malora. Yeah. Um, the Deja Malora uh, attacking. <laughs> Brilliant. Before they tried anything else, was bizarre to me. Um, them throwing the spear at at Captain America's head. Ah. Uh, and only missing, but by a I think a they fraction. missed on purpose, though. Um, I, maybe they did. Maybe they did. But I found that scene very interesting. For for a group of highly trained soldier warriors that don't really miss a beat, they were very quick to let uh, Zemo nip into the bathroom there yeah. and not keep an eye on their actual target. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's, that's interesting. He is a little sneaky hmm. snake, isn't he? He slithered out of there. And he was just like, oh, I'm just going to... I'm just going to nope out of this situation. Of Zemo um, is the absolute revelation of this show he's a different character than what he was playing in in the falcon and in winter soldier but he's brilliant i i don't know i think he's very distracting i i think you'd have a a better a better chance of it if he wasn't kind of hamming it up because he is he is now we can now officially say that daniel brule is watched a few episodes of Batman from the 1960s and went, oh, that'd be fun to do. He's not I'll hamming it up that much. He's, he is. He isn't hamming it up that much. He's absolutely brilliant. My favourite moment of the whole thing is where Sam says to Bucky, don't engage with him. He'll just annoy you and do that stupid head tilty thing. And then he just... And then he corrects. Straightens his head up. <laughs> absolutely spectacular. Brilliant and um, amazing. Yeah, so that, like, I, I think, I don't think, I think it would be fair to say that Neither himself nor Bucky Barnes are playing the character that they've played before. Um, and the argument could be made that that's because Bucky isn't the Winter Soldier anymore and da 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 But I read a really interesting article that I sent on to you, Michael. Go on. Um, from, I think it was Screen Rant. I'm not 100% sure. But they spoke about how the Winter Soldier's whole mystique has been unraveled and how it doesn't really make a lot of sense that the whole world knows about the Winter Soldier program. It's um, very unclear. All of a sudden. It's very, very, very unclear in this show. And I think it is a result of editing, um, post-fact editing. But it's very yeah. unclear how famous Bucky is. Yeah, because sometimes he walks around no problem. And then we had a couple of scenes. This time it was like, oh, two Avengers walking around yeah. isn't going to... Bucky wasn't... I don't remember Bucky being an Avenger. Well, he was an Avenger in that he showed up in Wakanda. Yeah, but was were there film crews there? Apparently were, there like, were. Apparently there what? were, Ben. Because people know what happened at the battle of... At the battle with the dam of, against Thanos. So, like, yeah. Sam Wilson's a hero because of his actions in that battle, which I assume the world has somehow heard of or seen. 
So why maybe wouldn't... it was all recorded on Iron Man's armor and why, got, exactly? Know. Yeah, there are a lot, plenty of technology-based people there who would have some sort of data recording. But also, how did none of the people that he was trying to make amends in his My Name Is Earl episode? How did none of them know him? How did that lady he went on a date with yeah. not know who he was? How did it, it is weird. It is weird how the cops didn't recognize him, but they recognize Sam. Sam wears a mask. He doesn't. Yeah, I I mean, I don't, I, I think, you know, it's it's just really interesting to me that it's gone from Winter Soldier being a secret that maybe six people knew about. Yeah, and now everyone Maybe. Knows. And now suddenly all you have to do is say his name and it's like, dun, 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 So he's gone from being a rumor to just a plot device. And I, I, I don't know, kind of, meh. It is, it is yeah. a weird one. It is a weird one. It is a weird one. Um, it, is, it has been weird not knowing how well known any of these characters are. Like, yeah. people coming up to John Walker for an autograph in an ab- essentially abandoned mall. Ben, I sent you a link to a video by Nando V Movies. Yes, you did. And he goes into a whole thing about how this whole show might have been aculosed. Yeah, so he, I really like that theory. I think it's a very solid theory mm, um, that there's a mystery virus causing havoc in the alternate version of this uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier storyline. Um, and then obviously that became horrifically inappropriate, Michael, mm. when the old pandemio hit. Yes, because there are lots of things that point towards there was supposed to be some sort of virus storyline in this. Like for some reason, there's a shortage of vaccines. There's an inequity of how resources, just generic resources are being shared. Um, the streets and the 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 malls and stuff seem oddly empty. There's not a lot of... Um, yeah. There, there are very few extras in scenes. I, even that scene where he um, chops off that man's head with the shield. How many people were filming it? Fifty. Like it's and that's it, not the, the streets are quiet. Also, yeah. Carly Morgenthau is standing in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, she was just there. Her whole point she was, was to escape. And again, yeah. he knows her face. <laughs> They all yeah. do. So He's why on earth was she just like, and she pushes forward to have a look and I'm like, Carly, Carly, you're an internationally wanted terrorist slash freedom fighter. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Benjamin, I like the fight scenes yeah. and I especially like how the super, <laughs> I, I loved when the Dora Milaje beat the crap out of uh, Captain America and Battlestar and he nearly had a breakdown yeah, not, a bother. not even super soldiers <laughs> brilliant uh, absolutely brilliant it was they just got beaten up by three ladies yeah they got absolutely annihilated I like how the three um, I like how the, the super soldiers the Carly Morgenthau super soldiers the flag smashers are very much a threat to normal people as evidenced mm-hmm. by basically punching that man to death but Yes. Not really much of a threat to another super soldier, especially a large, well-trained super soldier. Yeah, I was genuinely thinking at one point when I was watching Bucky take on the bigger guy, I was like, if this guy can go toe-to-toe with Bucky, I, I quit. And he can't. He gets his yeah. ass kicked because Bucky gets, just... He gets his ass kicked right through a door. Yeah, and then he gets a weird quip, which I found really interesting. Stay there, which wasn't even... Cl- I was just like, okay, um... All right, it was a weird quip, but then yeah, even John Walker when he's when he's uh, super soldiered up, 
is a serious threat to those people. He's a highly trained military uh, officer, so it makes sense. As he is, yeah. He's a highly trained, skilled, hand-to-hand combatant who now has superpowers and an unbreakable sharp-edged shield. It's a classic. It's a cl- As he's proven, it is sharp-edged. So yeah, anyway, John Walker, big dickhead. No use, Ben. He looks like Carl from Up with a mask on. You know, Carl, the alpha from Up, he looks like him, but with a Captain America mask on. You know exactly who you're talking about, and it's an alarmingly accurate description, but it's just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look up your memes, Ben. Get it, hop up on your Reddit there and have a look, and you'll see that uh, everyone is saying it. There's apparently, Ben, there's been a lot of backlash towards, um, what's his name? Wyatt uh, Russell. Wyatt Russell. And, you know, there were a lot of people saying it's not fair. He's been bullied off Twitter. He's been bullied off Instagram because people hated him so much for this. But he's never been on Twitter and Instagram. It's a deep and dark web of uh, of internet justice, which might be all over nothing. Uh, well, and I mean, that's the internet, isn't it? It's... Isn't that the internet, Ben? Probably worth looking at in one of our future episodes of what's going on now. Yeah, well, it's a classic. It's a classic of bloody Witch Hunt Weekly. We should do a full Witch Hunt Weekly episode, Michael. And the, yeah, look, people people enjoyed that segment, Ben. They said, bring back the weekly witch hunt. Well, this is the weekly witch hunt with Wyatt Russell, who isn't being witch hunted at all because he was never in Salem in the first place. He's never there, Ben. He doesn't even have any magical powers yeah. yet. He has yeah. the super soldier serum. Yeah, but now he, then he's gonna then he's gonna be put in head of the uh, the Global Repatriation Council's take down the Sorcerer Supreme initiative, and he'll find a bloody oh. stone, and then he become oh. Doctor Wyatt oh, Russell. That- That'd be good. Benjamin, my favourite moment of the whole episode was how casually um, Battlestar got killed because it really did show they shouldn't be having normal people going in and mucking about with these super soldiers. Terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible they'll kill idea. you with a punch. They'll just punch you in the chest and you'll explode. That's it. It's over. No more uh, Battlestar. Yeah, it was just, it's so abrupt as well. It was real like, dum, dum. I was like, oh, okay. That's the end of him. Off he goes. Yeah, it was, uh, look, it's an intriguing look at the world and, and, you know, it it does hammer home that great point put across by the Sokovia Accords in the original Civil War kind of arc where it's just like, this shit's too dangerous. Too dangerous. (laughs) Y'all are, y'all are dangerous. It's no good. I liked, um, I liked, uh, what's his name, Baron Zemo's commitment to his cause. He picked up the super soldier serum, looked at it for about three seconds, and then said, I have to get rid of this shit. Yeah. Didn't slip some into his pocket for later. Didn't, like, has no plan of starting his own team or giving himself superpowers. He's just like, I don't want this. I want to get rid of it. Stumpy, stumpy, stump. I often call that the Mordor fallacy, Michael, where you get right to the end goal and then all of a sudden, oh, but it's very tempting to maybe take some superhero soldier. Or maybe super- I'll just have some for me because I'll do it right. Be- Speaking of very yeah. tempting, Ben, have you seen the latest episode of the television show Invincible? Excellent. No. It's, it's very tempting, Ben. Invincible, Ben, is low-key, I think, highly underrated. I think this is going to be an all-time classic televisual superhero program. Good. It is excellent. We're due one. We're due an all-time, you know... All-time, low-key, adult, super-gross, super-violent, animated superhero program. It is the best on television. I am enjoying it more, Ben, even than I enjoyed The Boys. Get the fuck out of town. Now, you are very biased. I won't get out. I am very biased, Ben. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it, but I do enjoy the comic book Invincible. Um, I, I don't know if we've ever mentioned that on the podcast. But 
it is so good. It is amazingly good. The animation is still a little bit not exactly to my taste, but I think I'll get used to that. And I hope this goes on for 12 long... I hope this goes on for eight long years and they cut out some of the crappy stuff from the middle of Invincible. Well, Michael, if it does go well, then the animation will get a kick up the rear uh, for season two because they will invest more money in streamlining it as they go, Michael. I don't see how they could have invested any more money in this, Ben. Every episode is jam-packed with superstar actors. That's true. That's it true. is crazy jam-packed, Ben. In episode five, we're introduced to the character... Well, we're reintroduced to the character Titan. Oh, do yeah. You remem- do you remember him, Ben? Asphalt Man. Yeah, he can make a layer of rocks appear outside his skin. Yeah. Do you know who voiced him, Ben, in this episode? Go on, blow my mind. Internet superstar and the greatest actor of his generation. Your favourite actor and mine, Ben, Marshala Ali. Denzel Wash. Oh, I'm Marshala Ali. Okay. Oh, yeah, very okay. good. He's um, very good. He's very good. And uh, Ben, I don't want to do any spoilers, but some big spoilers coming up here, but not spoilers. Actually, it's barely spoilers. Um, because if you've read the comics, you know it's coming. And if you haven't read the comics, it's going to be meaningless to you. But Battle Beast is introduced in this episode. Ah, oh, yes. I, Michael, I desperately wanted to switch on my camera because right here in front of me, I have Invincible Volume 21 with Battle Beast on the cover. Battle Beast, Ben, he's one of the best characters and he really goes on to be a key character in, in Invincible. He's introduced in this episode. Guess who's voicing him, Ben? Uh, John Favreau. No, it's star of stage and screen and your favourite actor and mine, Ben, Michael Dorn. Patrick Stewart. No, sorry, Michael Dorn. Okay. Michael Dorn. He's Worf, Ben. <laughs> it's it's Worf. What a perfect Worf choice. Worf is playing Battle Beast. What and a Benjamin. perfect choice. You can imagine what a treat it is for the actor Michael Dorn to play a character who wins a fight every now and then. <laughs> Zing. Zing-a-ling. But he got him, Ben. Zing. Anyway, it's great. Watch Invincible, the TV show. It's one of the best TV shows. It's spectacularly good. I'll be watching it directly after this very podcast, Michael. Benjamin. Yes. Did you know that the actress who plays uh, Adam Eve? Are you familiar with the actress who plays Adam Eve? One of Gillian your Jacob. Actresses. Yeah, Gillian Her Jacob. Her name is Gillian. Get out of town. What? Gillian Jacob. No, her name is it's not. not. Gillian. No, it's, it's not. Gillian. Mm-mm. She pronounces her name Gillian Jacob. Is she from Atlantis? I don't know. Well, very good because of the gills, <laughs> the uh, the oxygen exchanging membranes present in water breeding <laughs> organisms. Very good, Benjamin. <laughs> very, very clever, Gillian Jacob. <laughs> Um, that's a terrible way to pronounce that name. I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, it's interesting, Michael. I would never, I would never normally have a little uh, ruckus with the old Adam Eve Mark Grayson combination. It's it's a classic, Michael, across multiverses, according to the comic. Um, yeah. But I'd like, I don't know. Amber's a very interesting character in this. I know she's a bit. I know she's a bit uh, worldly, Michael, with her her casual dropping of various cultural names. Yeah. But I, I think it could she's- make for a more interesting story. She's a bit of a worldly 17-year-old for my taste, Ben. <laughs> it's like this this 17-year-old seems to be going on a lot like most of the 30-year-old women I know. Well, that's true. That is true. I, You know what? One thing that is bugging me about the show, Ben, they really should have set it in 2005. Ah, yeah. It's too modern. <laughs> it's too modern. They're They're doing things that wouldn't work with the advancements of technology that we've had in a, a mere 15 years. 
they should have just said it in 2005 so things like getting a girl's number were still exciting yeah that was in any way a, a thing that was <laughs> that you would do he didn't slide into her instagram dms which no. is by the way how it would definitely go it'd be he didn't oh, follow her on tiktok yeah get, like it just doesn't ah uh, look we'll leave them with the conventions of what they need to do but surely michael that's an interesting point god michael you've set me down a rabbit hole here that's going to yeah, be very yeah, yeah. interesting because in about five years' time, that concept of passing somebody your number is going to be a completely alien idea. It's just unnecessary. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there are other things as well, like, um, what's his name? Omni-Man. Omni-Man often just, like, flies around the world doing the shopping. Yeah. And he does it out of costume. Like, he'll fly up out of his... Um, my, my lovely lady friend pointed this out. Uh, he'll fly up out of his suburban house and then fly to Italy. Or, you know, Mark will drop Amber off after a date and then quickly change into his costume and fly away. And, you know, most of the people on that street would probably have Ring if it was now. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd all be capturing that change on their Ring doorbell cameras and posting it on the internet. There are lots of things about it that don't make sense in 2021 that made perfect sense in 2005. Yeah, the concept, Michael, of Omni-Man... Sorry, Omni Man. Omni Man. My apologies. Yeah, from um, Dublin's north side. Yeah, the uh, the 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 idea of Kryptonian Tom Selleck sitting down and having a coffee and not being recognised in a piazza when your costume is just that without any kind of facial covering yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is pretty. And there's no consider. There's alien. no consideration given to um, superhero secret identities if they'd have social media presences or anything like that. It's it's very much a product of 2005 and if you didn't notice that you would probably find some of the stuff a bit weird. Yeah, look, it's it's it, that's a very good point, Michael. Why not just said it in 2005? Yeah, exactly, Ben. Speaking, Ben, of products of the early 2000s. <laughs> nice. Ben, I've set you up there. Take take the take the Oh, run with sorry. It, run with I mean, you you want me to you want me to run with the bulls. Um run yeah, so then. <laughs> Michael, you and I quite often like to punish ourselves. Um, <laughs> we're very you know, self-flagellating. We're very self-flagellating, Michael. Some would even say sadistic to our own selves. We're quite often sadistic to each other, Michael, and make each other watch things that we probably shouldn't have made each other watch. Um, mm-hmm. Earlier this year, we did an episode on Lex. Oh, um, I remember Lex. <laughs> One of my favourite European-Canadian science fiction adventure shows. Yeah, well, from, from that, Michael, to... Uh, to a <laughs> to an American Australian uh, Pacific Island kind of uh, round, we we decided to take a look at Farscape this week, Michael. Farscape, Farscape, Ben. Imagine if you will, Ben, a show where you take one American yeah. and then you put him in space with a load of Muppets, Ben. Yeah, it's great. And I don't just mean the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean actual Jim Henson bloody Muppets, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. What? Benjamin, what you'd have... Okay, well, hold on. Let's talk about this. So it is mm-hmm. Muppets in Space. It is Jim. It, it is actually a Jim Henson it production. Is. It is. It's, a, it's produced in Australia. So yep. everyone in space is Australian, which is quite jarring to my it can ear. Be. It can I have be. to say, every time they meet a baddie... They're Australian. That's Every great. time they meet an ally, they're Australian. That's great. Um, Pilot is a Pacific Islander, obviously, as well. So he th- says things like, we're in space. <laughs> oh, we're, <laughs> in, we're in space. It's crazy. We're in space. Watch <laughs> out for them flares. <laughs> and yeah, so, but 
the whole concept of a, a cast of, you know, a, a motley crew of weirdos in space with a couple of Muppets. Ben, that is Star Wars. Yes, but I would argue that this has a bit more pizzazz. Oh, and that'll get me into trouble. That'll get me Farscape into trouble. Farscape has a bit more pizzazz than Star Wars. That's an interesting take. Yeah, I think it is an interesting take. But anyway, to to get into the the meat and potatoes of this, Michael, it's it's a it's a bizarre setup. Uh, astronaut Michael Crichton, John Crichton, Michael Crichton, Rod, uh, Jurassic Park. God damn it, John Crichton um, finds himself set off course and light years away from where he's supposed to be, Michael. Um, yes. And then finds himself in the middle of a, a kind of galactic shootout um, mm. in space. With uh, Maoris. With, with <laughs> That's what it is. It's yeah. Maoris. Yeah. Oh, God. Space Maoris. Space Maoris. That's exactly what it is, Michael. And so he finds himself there and he's introduced to a whole motley crew of aliens and oddballs. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the central conceit is poor old, poor old John Crichton, who didn't write Jurassic Park. Um, no, is he's a, too busy. Is a fish out of water. And he's our kind of everyman introduction. And I quite like that, Michael. I like the complete Fantastic Four-esque style of, oh, no, I've gotten lost in space. Mm. Um, and it, it's quite enjoyable. But then we're introduced to... Probably my favourite thing about it, Michael, is actual proper aliens. Yes, that is the biggest advantage of having all these Muppets in it. And I mean the the, the puppetry creatures created by Jim Henson, not the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the biggest advantage of having all these Muppets in that this comes from an era of television where aliens were almost invariably humans with one of the following things. Funny ears, funny eyebrows, or funny noses. Yeah. And that's what aliens were. Every bloody species in in Star Trek is a human with some sort of prosthetic on one part of their body. Exactly. And Farscape goes a long way to countering that. It has two cast members who are full-on animatronic Muppets. Yeah. Um, pilot... And oh my God, uh, Rigel! Yeah, so it's it's Dominar Rigel. Is, yes, is the name of him. Presumably your favorite character. He's a little diminutive, <laughs> greasy snake man. But <laughs> he's would, like, why wait, would he be your favorite character? Because you're a little diminutive, <laughs> greasy snake man. He's. Uh, <laughs> I like to be represented in media, so sue me. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. He is the anti-Yoda. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. That's exactly. He's the same. Like size as Yoda and, you know, the same kind of quality of animatronic puppet of Yoda, but he's a prick. He's a selfish, greedy little asshole. Yep, that's it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly yeah, what it he's, is. He's brilliant. And then you have the other kind of main, the the big expensive looking animatronic of the whole thing is Pilot. Yeah, who steers the sh- the big kind of flying saucer headed thing. Yeah, um, big flying saucer-headed thing who's part of the ship, but also a sentient creature. Yeah, but the and ship is a sentient creature. It's very, very authority, Michael. Mm, yes, 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 very much so. But the ship is uh, the ship is kind of the heart of the show, which is the fantastic thing about it. And Pilot, throwing back to what we were saying about space crews the other week, Pilot, despite being ancient and very knowledgeable about space and and, and and aliens and scanners and sensors and wormholes and all that sort of stuff. He's very naive and innocent. Yeah, because he just lives on a ship. 
Yeah, yeah, he's never seen anything other than the ship. Never seen other people. It's the whole thing. So it's yeah, yeah, yeah. there's some pretty excellent stuff here. Then we have our our wharf, our very own wharf, yeah. but he's actually wharf, a threat this name. time. Um, no, I think his name is Wharf. It's Cadargo. No, it's Wharf. I'm pretty sure he's just Wharf. Sorry, it's Wharf with a sword. Um, no, Wharf has a sword. Oh, for fuck's he has sake. his uh, what's it called? The something blade, vol something. Wharf had his batleth. He's just a Klingon. He's just okay. He, so we have our Klingon. Yeah, he develops quite a bit as the show goes on. He does. He gets a big emotional center. Yeah, but he starts as very much, uh, we've got these two Muppets, we've got some sexy ladies, we've got a man out of space, and a Klingon. Yeah, and then as the show kind of progresses, they get more characters. But the one, Michael, the one that is formative in my case is bloody Erin. Claudia Black. Erin. Good grief. Claudia Blackben. She's from Australia, and she's an actress. Good grief. Good grief, Claudia Black. Um, so Claudia Black is there, and she's kind of human. She's basically just a human. She doesn't get any weird prosthetics or, or anything she's like that. She's a sebation, Ben. Yes, but she's she's a human. Like in in terms of who they chose as as the visual representation, it's like, oh look, a human. Oh wait, no, it's a sebation. It's a um, sebation, and she's a soldier, and she's a big gruff lady. She's she's the Spock, I guess. Not necessarily the Spock, but the unemotional kind of driven, no nonsense. She's a down-to-earth, no-nonsense soldier. One of my favourite things about the relationship between John Crichton and Aaron Soon in this is how they played it off in Stargate when both of those actors went on to Stargate in season 9 and 10. No way. Where Ben Browder became the kind of... Okay, he's a a bit of a light side to him, but he's the no-nonsense soldier and Valamal Duran, played by Claudia Black, does a complete character shift to being the fish out of the water, wild card... Fun-loving, weirdo character. Yes, a very big switch. And I actually knew those actors from Stargate before Farscape. So it was very weird for me to go back and watch them playing against the type that I knew. It's no good. It's no good. The jarring quality, Michael. Very, very Um, good. Very, very interesting. And then there's Chiana, who's the the DVD cover girl, as you would would kind of put (laughs) it. Stick her on the DVD cover. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of Chiana. Chiana's a... I don't know what you'd call Chiana. What's what's Chiana? She's kind of... To, to go back to your mythological things, Ben, she's kind of like a sprite. She's Yeah! She's always just flipping and bipping around the place, getting into trouble, causing hijinks. She's implied to be a bit hypersexual and... Like, she's, she's a free spirit teamed up with the crew through convenient not convenient circumstance happenstance who ends up becoming an important part of the team and she's a wheeler dealer she's an artful dodger she's you know she's a, she's one of the more interesting characters she was apparently she, supposed to be a one-off and the, yes. the crew enjoyed her so much they were like oh, put her in the series right write that yeah. in and uh, she invented contouring long before Instagram came along. <laughs> yeah, nothing but contouring, Ben. That's all all what contours. Her makeup is all contours all the time. All contours all the time. Um, there's another nice little uh, tidbit there. She gets referred to by um, John Crichton as Pip quite a bit. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. And it turns out that that's what he actually called her on set, and just kept forgetting not to do that when he was working. Um, very good, so very they were clever. like, "Oh well, I guess her, I guess her nickname is Pip in the show now as well," um, which is quite entertaining to me, Michael. I like it when actors don't do their jobs well and they have to work around it. Yes, 
it entertains me. Um, but yeah, one of the things I love about this, Michael, is it's quite experimental um, in plot lines and what it does with it's, certain episodes. Fuck. I, I think it's interesting, Ben, that you've forgotten Zan. Oh, who have I forgotten? Oh, no, wait. Zan, the big blue plant lady. Oh, the big blue plant lady. The big bald blue plant yeah. lady. She's yeah. the big bald blue plant lady. The spiritual centre. Yes, she's the spiritual character, the calm, the wisdom, the Deanna Troy. She is also the most boring character easily. <laughs> she's always just touching people's faces and making them have feelings. And I'm like, oh, get out of here, Zan. Classic Donna Troy. Yeah, classic Deanna Donna Troy. Troy. Classic Donna, Donna Troy. Troy. Classic Donna Wonder Troy. Girl. Wonder Girl. Classic Donna Troy. Classic Wonder Girl. From DC Comics. But one of the things I really like about this, Michael, is it's bloody experimental in places. So season two of this show introduced the most bizarre villain I have seen on television. Uh, Yeah, certainly one of. In in the form of Scorpius. And uh, Scorpius, Mr. Gimp, Mr. (laughs) Like, I don't know what he is. He's like if the Borg... And a sex shop had a baby. Um, yes, I can see it. Yeah, I can see it. He's it, a, a skeletal... He's like if, if Skeletor was into S&M. Yeah, that's it. There you go. You got him. You got him. Yeah, yeah. And Season one, actually, Ben introduces Scorpius. He's, he first appears in the episode The Nerve. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was season two where he became the primary villain. It, it kind of is season two where he becomes the primary villain. It's season one where he's briefly introduced... In, in, in the one nerve. of the best episodes, actually. Is that the torture episode, Michael? That's the torture episode yeah. where uh, Vala, Vala, Vala Maldoran, or Aaron Soon, has been stabbed. And she has some sort of special nerve that's going to kill her in 10 days if they don't go and do a Star Wars on the enemy base and get some therapy for her. Classic. So John, John Crichton takes a break from writing the, the seminal novel Jurassic <laughs> World. And he teams up with a sexy nymph. What's her name again? Gianna. Gianna. And they go they go and infiltrate a base full of us space Australians. Space Australians. And the best that's kind we're of Australians. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, no, we turn on the fucking plasma coils. <laughs> Mate. Where is that from? <laughs> space Australia. It's not it's not land us, it's not Earth Australia. It's space Australia. And um they they get captured by Scorpius and then my favourite character archetype in all of fiction. The leather-clad female henchwoman. <laughs> and they torture John Crichton to get his secrets. And his secrets turn out to be wormhole technology implanted in his head by ancient aliens. Yeah, and classic. That's, and that's what starts the whole uh, Scorpius is the primary antagonist. And they can't get the secret out of his brain, Ben. So they're torturing him and torturing him and torturing him. And they can't get the secret. Not because he's hiding it, but because he doesn't actually know it. It's in his subconscious. Yeah, it's not his secret to share. Exactly, Ben. So Scorpius implants a, a psychic clone of himself in Crichton's head. Yeah. That Crichton can see and speak to, but can't explain to other people. He's not capable of expressing what's going on. And it it, it creates one of the maddest TV shows you'll ever see in your entire life. Yeah, it's great. Um, he refers to it as Harvey which is mm-hmm. a, a reference to an old film with um, Jimmy Stewart, uh, which was an old 40s film where there was a perfectly average American man going about his day, but he could see a six foot tall bunny rabbit. 
Um, called Harvey and the na- he named it Harvey and it's his imaginary best friend and this brought me down another rabbit hole Michael because there are many episodes where Crichton's Harvey makes an appearance in the form of of Scorpius you know kind yes. of goading him and having a chat with him and you know doing whatever and they're called Crichtonisms because in this era of this TV show um, John Crichton is a human man with all the pop culture references that he has that would be there up to the early 2000s. So he yes. keeps making references in Farscape to other pop culture shows like Star Trek and things like this. Yes. And they're called Crichtonisms. And it's a thing talk- where a character introduces a pop culture reference to our world in another fictional show. Oh. Yeah, and it's called funnily enough, after he's introduced to Stargate, he also does it in Stargate. Yeah. He talks about Kirk a lot in Stargate. And he does talk about Kirk in um, in Farscape. Benjamin. Yeah. My first ever exposure to Farscape was in my late college years. Um, when one day, me and my good lady friend and my friend and yours, uh, Jim, we, wa- we decided to watch all of um, the show Firefly. Okay. In one sitting. That's intense. Now, Ben... It's not that intense uh, by modern standards because Firefly has what is it eleven episodes? There, there about forty minute episodes, and we called that event Ben the Sugar Party. <laughs> okay, and we got we we you know what were we twenty five? Okay, and we got loads of sweets and drinks and <laughs> popcorn, and we sat down <laughs> the whole day and we watched every episode of Firefly from start to finish, and we were very satisfied. And after that, we said, now what will we do? And we turned on the television and there were two episodes of Farscape playing. Okay. And we had been watching television all day, Ben. It was quite late at night. We'd been drinking and eating lots of sugar and hadn't been living. Our brains weren't optimised, Ben. Sure. (laughs) And the episode of Farscape that played was the season two episode called Won't Get Fooled Again. Is that the one with the shapeshifter? Have you ever seen it? No. So... There's a very famous episode in season one, Ben, called um, Human Reaction. Okay. Or Very Human Reaction, in which John thinks he's made it home. Okay. And he's back on Earth in Australia for some reason. So everyone's Australian. Yeah, that's so what the, yeah. He's, he's, he's crash landed in Australia and he's been held in the Australian equivalent of Area 51 and questioned. Okay. And he gradually pieces together that this isn't real. Oh, good for him. He starts, yeah, he starts noticing that um, no one can answer any questions about anything that's happened in the seven months since he left. And that everyone he sees, he recognises. He hasn't seen any new faces. Ah. And, yeah, and that everywhere he's been are places he's been before. So he decides to go to a bar and open the door to the women's bathroom because he knows he's never been there before and then there is no women's bathroom and he figures out the whole thing is a mental illusion. It's an illusion. Right, exactly. Very yeah. clever, very fun, very interesting. Great episode. Yes, yes. Um, season two has an episode, Ben, called Won't Get Fooled Again where John dreams or he wakes up on Earth and he's told that when he was launching into space in the pilot episode, he had an accident and he crashed back to Earth. And he immediately, from the very first moment, knows it's bullshit. Oh, excellent. 
because the episode is called Won't Get Fooled Again. So he absolutely knows it's bullshit. And then, little by little, all of the characters that he knows are introduced into the real world, despite being aliens, as normal people. Oh, that's good, isn't it? It's like neighbours in space. Yeah, and he's like, uh, does no one notice that this guy is a two-foot-tall alien in a golf cart? And then, uh, like, the guy who's playing his father says, um, I don't see what his disability has got to do with this. (laughs) It is fantastic, but it is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it's a bit... It is one of the weirdest episodes of television you've ever seen. We've done an episode of this show, Ben, where we talk about episodes where characters are plunged into an alternate reality mm-hmm. like they end up in a mental institute and they're told that everything is not what it seems psychosis as opposed to yeah, yeah. right this is that taken to the nth level of meta weirdness it is one of the weirdest episodes of television you'll ever see and among other things ben there's one scene where he wakes up on the doctor's table and all of the female characters are wearing S&M fetish wear oh, and offering to do things to him. And then Rigel arrives and tells these bitches to frell off. His exact words, not mine. And then Rigel has an S&M outfit on and whips John on the testicles with his whip. What? It is one of the weirdest things you'll ever see on I'm television. Have to go watch it's a this. weird it's a weird show. It's all on Amazon Prime, Michael. It is. It's very it's very interesting that it's all on Amazon Prime, but it leads to because of the weirdness of it, most of the best episodes give you a feeling of is any of this real? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. There's a there's a Scorpius and and Crichton bunny fight at one point where they're dressed in Easter bunny outfits and they kick the shit out of each other. And it's bizarre. Ben, it's really strange. Um, have you seen, I can't remember what the episode is called, but in 2003, Ben. Towards 2003, the end. 2003. Yeah. This show did an episode where they became Looney Tunes. They did. They did the original kind of weird thing. And they get, bloody Dargo gets run over by the Enterprise, Michael. What's going on, Ben? <laughs> what is going on? It's amazing. It's amazing. It is so far ahead in meta weirdness uh, that it it's it's bizarre. It's a bizarre, bizarre, bizarre show. But you could look at it as a template for Supernatural's later seasons. There's 100%. a real like there's a real sense of that to it. And I I only watched this, Michael, and I only came up with this episode because um in passing someone mentioned that you should check out Farscape. And I went and I looked it up and I was just like, Oh, this is just another bloody mid nineties Andromeda bloody sexy people in space doing sexy things. And then I actually mm. got down to watching some of it and I was like, Oh no, oh no, 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 no. This is not this is not that at all. If if anything, it's its own fucking weird thing. <laughs> now, I mean, yes, that's true. It does suffer a little bit from the same problem as some of those other 90s in space shows. Andromeda, obviously, is the standout kind of thing that it compares favorably against. But there are some Andromeda-esque episodes where it's just go to a planet. There's some sort of shady character and they, there's some sort of double cross and it's a cheap set and it's a cheap 
it, not every episode is golden. No, it, it it no. There's I I don't think any any show is ever going to survive. You know, a completely golden series of episodes. I don't think that. I don't think anybody gets that. But yeah, I I just think it's really unique in that canon of, you know, m- mid nineties to early two thousands sci fi space opera stuff. Yes. What what I really enjoy about it is that what gets this through is the cast are so good and so diverse and so interesting mm. that the episodes where it's just six weirdos stuck on a ship together screaming at each other with weird camera angles, they are actually some of the best episodes. Yeah, it just works because they do have that chemistry. They're just enjoyable to watch interact. There's an episode where they all go mad. I don't oh, know yeah. if it's called the Crackers Don't Matter. Yeah, it's called Crackers Don't Matter. There's an episode <laughs> from season three, I think, called Crackers Don't Matter, where they they all go mad. They're taken through a nebula, and the nebula is that Crackers Don't Matter. There's I'll, there are I'll two look episodes that I'll I might be up. mixing up here. They're taken through a nebula, Ben, and. The nebula turns out to be a ruse by this alien guy with a big bulbousy head who's blind. And he actually drives them mad so that he can take over Moya. That's a classic. They all go mental. And every single science fiction spaceship show has had an episode where something drives the crew a bit mental. It happens in, I think, episode three of Star Trek The Next Generation, where everyone goes a bit mad. But... Because of the weird dreamlike quality that kind of surrounds Farscape, you it, it's it's one of the most surreal things you can watch on television, fully stone cold sober, and still be doubting yourself. Going, this feels weird. This is this is weird. This is making me feel unstable. Yeah, because it does have that weird quality. It, it is crackers don't matter, by the way. It is, yeah. there's, a, there's a similar episode where they get body swapped ah oh, classic um, Freaky you know, Friday in space with Australians exactly exactly Freaky as they <laughs> Freaky Friday <laughs> Freaky, Freaky Friday um, Freaky Friday mate. oh Jesus Christ um, one of the best things about that episode Ben is they're all the cast are trying to imitate each other's accents and no one can do it but it doesn't matter because <laughs> because it's still just grand crack Grand crack um, all round. A bit of banter. Tiana, Tiana gets transferred into Dargo's body. Which is just hilarious. And then the big, huge, muscular gentleman who plays Dargo has to kind of slink around the place doing Gianna head movements. Gas. Very good. Very interesting. Gas. Sure, look, ladies and gentlemen, what did you think yes. of Bloody Farscape? Did you have a sugar party back in the day and discover it in a weird bloody sugar crash at God knows what hour of the evening? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Were you at mixed sugar party? Um, mixed sugar party sounds very dodgy. We are no way yeah, affiliated with that. Yeah, no, don't that's go to that. Us. That's no, that's bad. <laughs> that's not us. Um, ladies and gentlemen, let us know what you think. You can find us in a bunch of different ways. You can find us at www.shomerbeog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. It does indeed. You can find us also on the bloody Instagram at Shomra Bjog, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G. It still kind of means tiny room in Irish. Yeah, sort of a little bit, maybe. 
Um, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't had enough of us this week, you can bloody check out What's our. You? you can you can bloody check us out on Wednesday when we do our other podcast, Collecting Issues, on Preacher Volume One, and all the weird ninety stuff that goes on in there. Um, and yeah, that's that's. Benjamin, about do you mean Collecting Issues, the comic, the biweekly comic book book club? I do mean Collecting Issues, the biweekly comic book book club. Oh, very good. Benjamin, what are we talking about next week on this podcast? Uh, that's a great question, Michael. I haven't looked. <laughs> Z- zombies. Uh, zombies, Ben. It's zombies. It's what would a bloody pandemic actually be like? What did zombie movies get wrong, Michael? What have we learned about coronavirus and people's attitudes to deadly bloody outbreaks that don't really hold track anymore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so we're going to enjoy looking at that one. So let us know what you've learned from the pandemic, ladies and gentlemen, and what you think would actually go wrong in a zombie film if it were to happen in real life. Benjamin, I think we should watch the pro the, the film Contagion again. Yes, we probably will, Michael, as a, as a one-year anniversary to the last time we watched the bloody film Contagion. Yes. Um, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. That'll be us for next week. That's it this week, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. Goodbye now. Watch out for our zombies. Oh. <laughs> and Australians in space. <laughs>